Pastors, parents, and place kickers are some of the few positions where people expect you to be perfect. (laughs) One little screw-up, and people remember it forever. You never live down the shame. Who can forget Blair Walsh's stunning missed field goal in the 2016 football playoffs? He had never missed a playoff field goal in his career. And in his lifetime, he was nearly perfect from under 33 yards, and this was a 26-yard chip shot. Down by only one point, with seconds left, Walsh was about to become the game-winning hero. Except he missed. And no one ever forgot. Afterwards, he said that he wouldn't let that one mistake define him. But it did. The Vikings cut him the next fall, and he never regained his confidence or ability. He was out of football the year after that. We have high expectations for our kickers, rivaled perhaps only by our expectation for parents. You can be the perfect parent, but you make one little mistake, and people never forget, especially the kids. Have you ever noticed that you can repeat a proper word a thousand times and the kids can't seem to remember it? But say one bad word and it's etched in their little brains forever. <laughs> like saying, please and thank you. How many times do you have to say, now what do you say? Please. And then what do you say? Thank you. It takes forever. But you utter that one little swear word under your breath and your precious little angel never forgets your profanity. And they repeat it often in public (laughs) so that everyone knows what a terrible parent you are. My two-year-old grandson has a new favorite word. It starts with a B and it ends with hole. It's the milder version of the profanity that starts with an A and ends in hole. So imagine the horror on his parents' face when when he comes up to grandma, looks her straight in the face, smiles, and says, be whole, be whole. (laughs) No, I can't say that he learned that word from his parents. He probably learned it from one one of the other kids in the neighborhood. But everyone blames the parents anyways. If they were good parents, their child would know better. And it's not always other people that blame parents. Sometimes we do it ourselves. We ask how we failed when our children don't have the wonderful life that we envisioned for them, and whether they're three years old or 63 years old. We ask ourselves, what did I do wrong? How could this have happened? If only I wasn't such a failure, my child wouldn't be hurting like this. Well, sometimes we did screw up, and, and then all we can do is apologize. And at other times, we didn't screw up, even if they blame us. But the truth is, there are no perfect parents. Not even Jesus had perfect parents. And of course, the people never forgot. <coughs> There's only one story in the Bible about Jesus as a child. And wouldn't you know it, It's an epic parental fail. 
It takes place when Jesus is 12 years old. Those dreaded tween years where parents can do nothing right. But in this case, Mary and Joseph really did screw up. And this is how Luke describes that event. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they all went there as usual for the celebration. After Passover, his parents left. But they did not know that Jesus had stayed on in the city. They thought he was traveling with some other people. And they went a whole day before they started looking for him. When they could not find him with their relatives and friends, they went back to Jerusalem and started looking for him there. Now, what kind of parents do this? Leave their child behind in a strange city, and they don't even think to confirm that he actually is with some relatives or friends until they've gone an entire day down the road. I mean, you made, may have made some mistakes as a parent, but I bet you didn't do that. <coughs> Still, things like this happen, don't they? Even when you try your best. One time when my son Luke was about the same age as Jesus was here, he was left behind at a youth event in St. Cloud. The youth leaders had taken two vans, and they'd parked one van on one side of the hotel, and the other side, um, the other van was parked on the other side. And when Luke and, and his friends tried to get on one of the vans, they said it was full and that they would have to go get on the other van. But the kids on the other van had told the driver that Luke and his friends had gotten on this van. And so both vans left while they were walking back and forth through the hotel. And there they were. And this is back before there were cell phones. Neither leader realized that they had left Luke and his friend behind until they stopped. And imagine, as a youth leader, <clears throat> getting back to the church and having to tell the pastor that you accidentally left his 12-year-old kid behind in a different city. Like I said, nobody is perfect, no matter how good your intentions are. Not parents, and not youth leaders. So I can cut Mary and Joseph a little slack <clears throat> because I know how these things happen. And I'll even cut his, their friends and relatives some slack even though I do wonder why none of them thought to ask, where is Jesus? But it's Mary's response after she and Joseph find him that is also normal and also sad. We pick it up. Three days later, they found Jesus sitting in the temple, listening to the teachers and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was surprised at how much he knew and at the answers he gave. When his parents found him, they were amazed. His mother said, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been very worried, and we've been searching for you. Jesus answered, why did you have to look for me? 
Didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he meant. They are the ones who left Jesus behind. They are the ones who made assumptions and didn't think to check with the relatives until a whole day had passed. And they don't even know their son well enough to check at the temple until three days have gone by. You know, I'm surprised somebody didn't report them to social services, except they didn't have social services back then. <laughs> they must have been going out of their minds with worry. And when they finally do find Jesus safe and sound and they can breathe once again, they utter those classic parental words of relief. Son, how could you do this to us? We've been worried sick about you. And they chew them out for their own mistakes. Talk about imperfect parents. And this is the only biblical story we have about Mary and Joseph's parenting. Everything else that you've ever heard is either conjecture or legend. Luke concludes his report with this. Jesus went back to Nazareth with his parents and obeyed them. His mother kept on thinking about all that had happened. Jesus became wise and he grew strong. God was pleased with him and so were the people. Jesus goes back home and he continues to be the perfect child. But Mary is left to think about her failures. And think about them, she did. His mother kept on thinking about all that had happened. Because that's what we do, don't we? We think about our mistakes. We think about how we've let people down, how we haven't measured up. And if others don't remind us, then we remind ourselves over and over again. We keep on thinking about all that had happened. And we tell ourselves that we aren't good enough. We keep saying we don't measure up. I bet Mary and Joseph told themselves that. We aren't good enough to be the parents of Jesus. He could have been killed. God must have been crazy to give us this child. What kind of parents would leave their child behind in a big city and then yell at their kid? I would say normal, imperfect parents. And imperfect aunts and uncles and friends who are traveling with them. It doesn't take perfect people to be a part of God's plan. God can use ordinary, imperfect people like Mary and Joseph, like us, to accomplish his purposes. <coughs> Mary wasn't the perfect parent. That's not why God entrusted his son to her. What Mary was, was willing. Willing to be used by God even if she didn't understand why God would choose her or how she could be, have a child as a virgin. Remember her response when the angel told her that she, the Lord needed her to be the mother of Jesus? Excuse me. Tickle in my throat right now. She said simply this, I am the Lord's servant. Let it happen as you have said. 
She was willing. And if you're willing, God could use someone like you. With all your imperfections, all your screw-ups, all your past inadequacies. In fact, it seems that God often intentionally calls those of us who don't think we're good enough to do his good work. The Bible reminds us of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, my dear friends, remember what you were when God chose you. The people of this world didn't think that many of you were wise. Only a few of you were in places of power, and not many of you came from important families. But God chose the foolish things of this world to put the wise to shame. He chose the weak things of this world to put the powerful to shame. What the world thinks is worthless, useless, and nothing at all is what God has used to destroy what the world considers important. And God did all this to keep anyone from bragging to him. So don't dwell on all that had happened in the past, in your past. Offer yourself as a servant to the Lord because God could use someone like you, believe it or not, in spite of, maybe even because of your imperfections, as long as you're willing to say yes to the Lord. Before I ever was a parent, and uh, in fact, when I was about the same age as Jesus was, I kind of uh, fell into the babysitting business. Now, I didn't take a babysitting class like some people do nowadays, and to be honest, I, I never helped out with caring for my younger siblings. I never changed the diaper, never uh, fed a bottle. So my qualifications to be a babysitter uh, were quite slim. In fact, I really only had one qualification, and that was that I was willing to say yes. And that, what that meant is that as a babysitter, I became the babysitter of last resort for desperate parents. <laughs> the go-to person for people who had nowhere else to turn. I remember one mother explaining her situation to me. I have two boys, and they are more than a handful. In fact, one of them has a brain abnormality that causes him to act up, and she actually showed me the x-rays of his brain. No one else will babysit them. And I need a sitter. Will you do it? I said, yes. Now, I wish I could say that I was wholly motivated by a desire to be a humble servant of the Lord. But the fact was, it was good money, and I didn't have any other job. I was too young to work. But I said, yes. I could also see, though, how much of a burden that this mother carried on her shoulders trying to parent these two children and how much she needed that break. Now, you probably expect me to tell you um, how wonderfully everything turned out, how these uh, kids, by a, a miraculous act of God, were perfect little angels while I babysat them. The fact of the matter is that I have only one memory of that day, and that is of the younger locking himself in the car and sitting on the horn <clears throat> while the older one beat on the outside of the, the car, threatening to kill his brother. 
Well, he didn't. And I was eventually able to get them back safe and sound into the house and, and return them to their mother's care a few hours later. And she was grateful. And God used me. And God could use you too. Even if you aren't a parent. If you're willing to let God use you, you'd be surprised at what God calls you to. Perhaps God calls you to tutor a child. Or, or maybe you find yourself giving a harried mother a break. Or perhaps you are that harried mother, and yet you're willing to say yes to some other ministry that God needs, a mission trip, a Sunday school teacher. You know, I have never met a Sunday school teacher who felt completely comfortable, like they knew everything that they needed as a Sunday school teacher, that they were fully prepared to share the faith, but they've said yes. Same way with all the, the men and women who have joined me as leaders on Boundary Waters trips. Some of them had never, ever been canoe camping and never expected to, but they were willing. And they said yes, and God used them to bless some student's life. Now, none of these persons, the, the babysitters, the mission workers, Sunday school teachers, or Boundary Waters leaders, were perfect. But God doesn't need them to be to accomplish God's purposes. Like Mary, they just need to be willing. Even imperfect youth leaders who leave the pastor's kids behind can still accomplish God's purposes. By the way, that, that youth leader who left my son in, in St. Cloud, he went on to become a pastor. And he's planted his own church. And he is now a parent. And an imperfect parent. Because all parents are imperfect parents. And all people are imperfect. And still, with all our imperfection, God calls us to be a part of his plans. And God can use us in ways that we can only imagine. There's an old phrase that says, God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. That's how, how God has been at work since the time of Mary and Joseph and even before. And that means God could use someone like you to carry out his plans. People, imperfect people, like me and you, or even worse, people like Mary and Joseph who left their kid behind for three days and chewed him out when they finally found him. God uses all kinds. Maybe even place kickers for the Vikings, but we'll see this afternoon. <laughs> How is God using you? And what might God call you to? And will you be willing? Let's pray. Lord, as much as, uh, as we would like to be perfect, and as Pastor Julie has already prayed as much as we uh, make these resolutions to, for how good we're going to be in this coming year. We know that we are not perfect. That on our own, we're not really good enough. And yet, you've never called the perfect. 
because the only one who's perfect is you. Instead, you've called the flawed, the imperfect, the improbable. You have called people like Mary and Joseph and people like us who are worshiping right now. Lord, help us to to discern your call. Give us a willing heart. And Lord, as we we go into this new year, give us an expectant heart, knowing that you are going to do some marvelous and amazing things through the people of resurrection and through us as individuals. Lord, give us eyes to see what you're doing among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.